Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We have all been in the situation. We are sweating it out, hoping Santa's elves got our packages here on time. Worry no more. Our friends at Seattle Shirt Company have us all in mind. They have an excellent selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list. And they are doing their part in keeping their staff employed during these tough times. So please do yours in supporting local businesses. Not only is shipping free on everything, but this week only, for all of our listeners, we have an amazing promotion. 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Seattle shirts have it all. Hats, jerseys, hoodies, and more. All from the stars from yesterday to today are included. From LeBron James to Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice, and more. Have you seen the latest Seattle Kraken NHL gear? Just head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout for 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays. Support for the ISO is brought to you by Manscaped. Yep, that's right, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Well, brought my wife in on this read because it's a little awkward. (laughs) Thank you for that one, Dan. I actually think that this is something people probably have issues with and aren't exactly sure where to turn. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. You might think, is this something I need? Have I ever had an incident when... I probably could have used a manscape. Dan, I don't necessarily know that this is something you've ever had an issue with, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Well, here you go, folks. Right now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ISO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ISO20. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Oh, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school, trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Welcome to the ISO podcast with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. If you've been listening to our podcast Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the guests that we've had on Um, currently we're 
running a series of what we call the best of the ISO in different categories. We've brought to you college basketball coaches, stories from the NBA, and today's best of the ISO, former Zags. Today's will include some stories, some memories, some advice, some experiences from from some great Gonzaga players. Matt Santangelo, Adam Morrison, and also a tremendous story from current Golden State Warriors head coach, Steve Kerr. Adam Morrison is a Gonzaga legend, but where did his fiery passion come from? That would be from his father, who was a college coach and Morrison's first big influential coach growing up. Here's Morrison talking with Dan about all the coaches he played for uh, throughout his career. Uh, You can hear him talk about Mark Few's evolution and comparing playing for Few with the Zen master himself, Phil Jackson. Here is Dan Dickow and Adam Morrison. You played for Coach Mark Few, who is going to be, in my opinion, in the Hall of Fame at some point. Tremendous college coach, but you also played for a tremendous professional coach in the NBA, Phil Jackson. So two guys that are kind of at the pinnacle uh, of their professions and coaching at their levels. Touch on both of those guys, their strengths as a coach and their approach to the game of basketball. Well, I think with Phil, I was two years with the Lakers, and I think the biggest thing I took away was his ability to manage. And you know, he, it's not like he wasn't a great X's and O guys, but the triangle was pretty self-explanatory. You know, you throw it in and you make certain cuts. You throw it to your best player at the elbow or at the block and you get out of the way. And he was really good at managing personalities and understanding that, you know, in L.A. there's already pressure. So as a coach, I mean, I'm not going to put more pressure on the guys that's unwarranted because everybody in the room knew, you know, at the team we had, we won two straight championships – they already knew the pressure was there, right? Because it was such a great roster. So I learned from him is let guys be themselves, um, you know, get on them when it's necessary, but also bring joy to the locker room, bring joy and bring laughter to everyday practices. I mean, we, there, I have countless stories of him. I mean, during the, during the playoffs, we would watch film, but he would dub a movie in the film. So you'd watch a movie throughout the series of the playoffs right it's kind of different yeah or he'd have the the film guys like if there was a funny thing on late night tv that applied to our team he would dub it in there right there was a a funny kardashian thing with lamar when he was (laughs) things like that but it made everybody laugh and um you know he did funny things right if you're late to the bus i was late one time like two minutes he called them silly fines like he some coaches be like oh my god you're late yeah charge you a hundred bucks and then he let it the pot grow and then we'd all shoot for it that stuff's fun you know what i mean it keeps it keeps it light so i learned from him is you can still be demanding as a coach but you got to let guys enjoy themselves because you got to play with joy especially at the professional level because everybody knows the pressures of it um then going to coach few opposite style you know not as opposite as like pat riley to, to to phil jackson but coach few was get it done i don't have to be your friend I'll respect you, um, and I'll let you do your thing as long as you meet certain requirements. And you can relate mm-hmm. to that. Obviously, you played there and had a great career. Um, so um, I learned a lot from both. Uh, you know, Coach Few now is such a better coach 
than he was yeah. when we were there. I mean, that's not a knock on him. Obviously, his his record speaks for himself. But um, just the way he manages guys now, he's a little bit less uh, demanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. A little bit, a little bit sh- less stronger or whatever, however you want to put it. So he's done a, a fantastic job of evolving. Um, you know, and I've told people, I'm like, look at the offense they run now. It's space the floor. It's cutting. We used to run flex, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, you know what I mean. The floor <laughs> used to be jammed. You and I would have to hit fadeaways over everybody's face. Now these guys have space. They move the ball. Their rotations are better. Like substitution patterns are better. Um, you know, obviously he's he's better X and O's uh, wise on the fly. Um, so I'm lucky. You know, I played for Phil Jackson, Mark Few, Larry Brown for seasons in the Hall of Fame as well. So I I've been lucky enough to kind of take the good out of some of those coaches and apply it. You know, I'm just a sixth grade basketball coach for my daughter's <laughs> team, but I try to apply those things and it, it's, it's fun. You might be the, the most qualified sixth grade girls hey, basketball coach in the state of Washington. It's fun, man. I love it. Matt Santangelo made sure the slippers still fit. He led the initial NCAA tournament Cinderella run in 1999 that launched 20 more births in a row to the big dance that number's counting, by the way, as the Zags are number one in uh, the country now. Santangelo joined the podcast in May to talk about the early days and continuous evolution of Gonzaga basketball. Here is Matt Santangelo and Dan Dickow. You had a very successful playing career. Um, you were all state in the state of Oregon coming out of high school. You had a, a terrific career at Gonzaga. Um, what was it at your time at Gonzaga um, that you most remember? Yeah. Well, I just remember, um, well, I guess two things. One is I, I really enjoy this story. Uh, it's between when Coach Fitzgerald, who was the head coach at the time, and Coach Few, who was the um, assistant coach, second assistant coach. Uh, they, and Coach Few recruited guards. So he and, he and Fitz uh, recruited me out of high school. And I remember and I, I, uh, both of them in my parents' living room in North Portland. And I remember Fitz kind of giving me the pitch and the pitch was when something like this, it was like, no one's bigger than the program, no one. But if I had a basketball, I would hand it to you and say, we're going to go where you're going to take us. And I fell for that hook, line and sinker. Now as a father and an adult now, I realize he probably said that to every kid in every living room that he ever sat in. Um, but for that one, I, I believed it wholeheartedly. I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of nine kids. Uh, we didn't grow up with a lot uh, of stuff, but we did grow up with a lot of love and support. Um, and so I always knew just go to a dinner, the dinner table with not with eight brothers and sisters, you know, pretty quickly, you're not the, you know, the end all be all. You're kind of just a part of the group trying to do the best you can. And I really believed in that. But Gonzaga gave me the chance to have influence on where the program and team was going to go. And that's how I remember it. I remember playing for my teammates. I remember uh, learning uh, from great uh, you know, college athletes uh, that went on to be great professionals as well and great uh, adults and members of our community now. Um, but I just remember it never really being about me. It was always about the group. It was always about getting better. It was always about the, you know, it's a cliche now, but it wasn't back then, but trust the process. It was about creating daily habits, good habits each and every day. And the byproduct of that was that we went out and won games. Um, even though that was, you know, ultimately the goal, we did that daily in the way we approached uh, our group as a team and how we worked. And then that's what I remember. It's just really playing for your, your guys, you know, playing for your teammates, playing for 
um, you know, want, not wanting to let them down, wanting to lift them up in certain cases, needed to be lift up, lifted up in other cases. Um, and just that feeling that comes, comes from all that is what I remember most. You mentioned Coach Dan Fitzgerald. Um, you know, I kind of look at him as the architect of, of Gonzaga basketball, and, and unfortunately he doesn't get as much um, respect or notoriety or recognition yeah. for really kind of laying the blueprint. You were unique in the fact that you played for Coach Fitzgerald, you played for Coach Dan Monson, and you played for Coach Few. Um, you're one of the foundational pieces. When you look back on the 20-some years now that they've made NCAA tournament runs, how much pride do you have in the fact that you were connected to all three of those coaches and you were one of the first pieces to really help it get going? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I have certainly proud I'm going to be kind of a smart aleck now, but just the fact that you know Fitz and I know Fitz just ages us. That all it did was age us <laughs> way back, which I'm not so proud about. I'm not proud about that. Um, no, I, I'm really grateful because what Fitz did, and as you said, he was a, a piece of this whole thing that uh, he, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Because when we talk about what it means to be a Zag, uh, which is a, you know, kind of a popular thing in our little Gonzaga community, not little, but the Gonzaga community describing, mean, we're really talking about a characteristic, a personality characteristic, that grit, that determination, that hard work, that blue collar mentality, that play for your teammates, play for your, um, uh, the community around you. Uh, that's what it means to be a Zag. And you can't, you know, it's unfortunate that when you talk about those things, you don't talk about damn Dan Fitzgerald doesn't get mentioned very often um, because he was that blue collar. I mean, it was kind of a source of pride. Like we maybe were our group. I think I don't want to sell us short. We were pretty talented. We were pretty athletically gifted. We were a good group, but maybe the groups before us more had the reputation for uh, overachieving, like hardworking lunch pail type mentality um, type of groups. And the kind of the mantra was like, Hey, you might beat us, but when we go through the handshake line, there will be a mutual respect because you would have had to earn it. Um, and that's kind of that Fitzgerald bravado, that Fitzgerald mentality. Um, that really is a found, as you mentioned, a foundational piece of the whole program um, and culture at Gonzaga. Um, so I think that, that that's a big one. I think the other things, like as it went, even with Fitz as head coach for my redshirt year and my freshman playing year, um, he really gave a lot of autonomy to Munson to coach few, to coach Greer, Greer, coach Billy Greer was our grad assistant, um, to run those things. Munson was kind of the uh, defense, kind of a football mentality attitude that he brought to it. Few was the technician that he is now, you know, learning those skills, but kind of that approach to the game. Uh, Greer was more defensive technical side of the, of the basketball, but Fitz gave them a ton of autonomy. So as we saw a transition from Fitz to Munson then to few, from a team's perspective, it really felt like great continuity um, because those pieces were already in place even as even when Fitz was the head coach. Up next, Gonzaga basketball play-by-play broadcaster Greg Heister joined the podcast June 8th to talk about calling Gonzaga basketball games from the time Dickow was in college to now. He also talks about his friendship with Mark Few. If you're used to hearing Heister and Dickow on the airwaves together, uh, this is a little bit more laid back of a setting, and it was a great conversation, a great full episode to go back and listen to. But without further ado, here is Dickow and Heister. You have a chance to be around the Gonzaga basketball program a lot because, as mentioned, you, you've been the play-by-play uh, television announcer for quite some time. But you also, uh, in addition to that role, you, you 
you host the Mark Few show, which is kind of like a week weekly uh, sit down interview show with Coach Few and kind of talk about the current state of affairs within the program in, in the season. How has that allowed you to get to know Coach Few um, better than just going to a practice, which we as broadcasters do as part of our prep and just watch, to be able to ask him more questions and, and understand his passion? Um, how would you describe working with Coach Few on that show? And I think because he and I have spent so much time together uh, outside of basketball, you know, that, that very first year that I got the Gonzaga contract was your senior year, right? The year that, that you lit up and school lit up and, and frankly, it lit me up. And so I traveled with the team. I was, you know, I mean, I was, I was given this responsibility of calling these games, something that I'd waited a long time for the opportunity and I needed to learn right? I needed to learn a lot. And I mean, I, I'm like most basketball fans. I can talk the game. I can do all of these things. And so I spent a lot of time at practice those years, uh, especially on the road. If you guys practice, I was there when I, uh, when we were at home, I tried to go to practice two or three times a week just to be there to build relationships. And, and that really can, I can remember even in, during Mo's years, even when I wasn't doing radio anymore, I was at practice when they were home here in town a lot. I can remember days when Fuey would look at me and he's like, Heister, what are you doing here? I'm like, hey, man, it's like I get to watch one of the greatest teams in the country right now, right now on a daily basis and come to practice and, and learn and, and see all of these guys, uh, you know, uh, kind of fight it out during the season. And so uh, I just think – and then obviously we fish together a lot. And uh, – I've just spent a lot of time around him. I think I know him well, and, and uh, I can say things to him, and we can laugh about it, and we can get away with it. And there's kind of like a little brotherhood thing there, I think. And I just have the utmost respect for the guy uh, from both an individual basis. You know, professionally, it speaks for itself, Dan. I mean, you know, we, we don't even need to go in that. I mean, he's one of the great coaches now in college basketball history. And what he's done here in Spokane in this, in this program is – I think it's unprecedented in the history of college basketball. I'm sure it's happened somewhere way, way, way back when that maybe uh, Jerry Krause can tell us about, but uh, I just think it's unprecedented. All that stands for itself, but as a human, he's a great dude, uh, very committed to his family, very loyal. And, uh, and he's always there. So, uh, you know, I, I have a love for the guy. And, and because of that, I think, you know, doing the Mark few show, we can just sit up there and have fun. And whether it's a win or a loss that after that, uh, that we get to sit down and do that show. He and I can can work our way through it and uh, and try to have some laughs with it. You know, you know this. Like I don't. You know, whenever I'm in front of a camera or a live broadcast of whether it's live on tape or actually live, like we're not laughing and having fun. What's the sense? You know. And so that's what you know. Uh, I try to do that with Fuey. It's, it, the best shows with him, with the Mark Few show, are the ones that we can laugh about stuff. And generally, it's him kind of digging into me about something. But uh, we can laugh and have fun with it. So uh, that's that's been great. And I, geez, that's over a decade long now too that I've been doing that show with him. So it's it's been good. It's wow, been Greg, good. you're you're kind of dating yourself a little bit saying that show's <laughs> been 10 years you've called gu games since the early 2000s you've been a part of the Adirot since the the mid 90s yeah. you know steve kerr as the golden state warriors head coach and an eight-time nba champ five as a player and three as a coach uh, he was not a zag but at one point uh, when he was in high school he was being recruited by gonzaga 
and not many schools at that time were giving him looks. Uh, so here, Steve Kerr uh, talked to Dan on the May 6th episode. Uh, he told this great story about his visit to Gonzaga and uh, the fallout from uh, playing pickup with a guy uh, you may recognize. You also had a really unique um, college recruiting experience. I've read a number of articles uh, about uh, how your recruitment went. Uh, there was a time that you were considering Gonzaga, uh, but for some reason that didn't work out and you ended up having a phenomenal career at Arizona, played in the Final Four, I believe. For anybody who hasn't heard that story, can you share how the, the Gonzaga recruitment happened and, and occurred? Yeah, so they were recruiting me my senior year, and I I didn't have any offers uh, in the middle of my senior year, but I was getting some interest, and Gonzaga uh, sent me a letter, made a couple calls, and they said, hey, we want you to come on a visit uh, when the season's over, and I said, great. And I was I was excited. It was my first visit anywhere, and and uh, they said, just here, so you, you know, you, you can play when you're up here. I said, perfect. And I go up and see the campus, you know, see the locker room, meet the coaches, all that stuff. And they said, uh, hey, our guys are going to play pickup. You, you should go join them. I said, perfect. Put my shoes on. I joined the pickup game. And I'm being guarded by a guy named John Stockton. <laughs> he had just finished his senior season. He was getting ready for the draft. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a senior in high school and I knew who he was because I was a basketball fan and, uh, you know, growing up on the West coast, I had heard of him, but it, it was a different time back then. You didn't have all the games on TV and everything. So I didn't know that much about him. John proceeded to wipe the floor with me. I mean, he, he stole the ball from me. He scored on me. And it was total embarrassment and uh, game they basically took me into the office and they said you know we're uh, we're gonna go in a different direction <laughs> so I, I always blamed John Stockton for ruining my my uh, my future at Gonzaga <laughs> by now you've heard about those early Cinderella years uh, from the Zags Dan Monson was the head coach uh, during that stretch from 97 to 99 uh, when Gonzaga broke onto the national scene and uh, made an ascent that it continues to build on. Monson joined the podcast November 30th to share with Dan his most prized recruits uh, and memories from that time laying the brickwork for uh, now a national powerhouse. So here is Dan Monson and Dan Dickow. Can I go back to the introduction because sure. uh, I think to me my my claim to fame is is not that Dan what Dan Dick out did at Gonzaga, but you were the last recruit I had at Gonzaga, and I was just telling my youngest son because he was asking what I was doing. I was going on your podcast, and uh, I, I I said I some trivia for you. Who was the last? player that I, I signed at Gonzaga and and he knew right away Dan Dickow because I brag about it all the time and I said okay then who was the last one I recruited uh, and offered before I left and he had no idea and I told him Corey Violet and he's only 16 years old and I started thinking you know that's not a fair trivia for somebody 16 because that was probably about uh, 20 
20 some years ago that, 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 uh, that you guys played and that, that, uh, Corey played. So those are, those are my claim to fame. And then I told him the, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, you came into town on your visit on a Friday and, uh, and, uh, you, you know, you're really close with Richie and some of our guys, Richie Fromm, and um, and we were going into um, shenanigans for dinner, and you said, Coach, can I get a minute with you before before we eat? And I said, sure. So we were standing out on the doorstep of shenanigans, and you said, Coach, uh, I already know where I want to go. Uh, I want to commit right now if I don't have to do all the visit stuff and I can just hang out with Richie for the weekend because you weren't a party guy or anything. You just wanted to kind of hang with the guys and not have to do all the, the ritual uh academic and all that stuff for the visit and i said hey whatever you want to do as long as you're coming i'm good with it so that's my damn dick it was uh it was a pretty easy decision for for me because i knew richie really well i knew some of the other guys casey calvary zach gord was a high school teammate and those guys had they had been telling me about all the positives about how i would fit at gu and then in addition you guys just made that elite eight run so it was pretty easy decision for me and i'm glad it worked out I guess I have a question for you then. Who would have been your first recruit as a head coach when you were at Gonzaga? It was Casey. It was Casey. And uh, um, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny I get emotional even talking about it because uh, Casey, um, I had to go around a year and recruit without being the head coach. And uh, um I was uh, so I had to go around and tell people, hey, I'm going to be the head coach. And Mark and Billy had to like recruit and because Fitz just said, OK, I'm not going to coach any of these guys. You do all the recruiting. And so we we're just getting slammed in the recruiting market because it's like, OK, he's saying he's going to be the head coach. You know, he's never been a head coach. And Dan, Dan Fitzgerald has done all this and and has established coach. You're going to go you're going to go with a guy that, you know, has never done anything. And. Casey didn't buy it. And I'll never forget. I was at the Bulldog club, um, uh, golf tournament out of Manito on, on, uh, on the first hole. And it wasn't the first hole. I, I, I was thinking I was making the turn. Cause you know, you start on, on 12 or something, you know, about halfway through the tournament, my phone rang. It was him. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, this isn't good news. And he's like, Nope, coach. He, you know, Casey had a couple flowery words in there, like screw it. And <laughs> he said, uh, I believe in you and, and I'm coming. And, and I get emotional every time I talk about Casey because he was the hardest one to tell when I was leaving, you know, and he did the same thing. He said to me, Hey, screw it. You know, you're doing the best thing for your family. We're going to be fine here, coach. And uh, couldn't have been more true words for the Gonzaga program and, and for him and everybody, but everybody's been just fine after I left. But Casey was my first guy. To finish off the best of the ISO stories from the Gonzaga basketball sidelines, we have the guy you heard Dick Owen Morrison call a future Hall of Fame coach. That's Mark Few, head coach of the Zags. Uh, currently the number one team in college basketball. And Few joined the podcast before the season started uh, to touch on something you don't hear him talk about much. And that is recruits he and the Zags missed out on uh, who he thought would have made great fits at Gonzaga. So from the September 28th episode, here is Mark Few and his former All-American guard, Dan Dickow. There's been a change, I'm sure, in, in the viewing of the program through recruits. You've had to kind of change your recruiting philosophy, I'm sure, from years ago until now, where you're blending Northwest guys, you're blending international guys, and now you're really in the mix for a lot of McDonald's All-American level guys. How has your recruiting philosophy changed, if at all? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if our philosophy's changed. I, did, I, I think we've always just tried to get, you know, the best guy we can that also fits our program. I don't think, you know, the one thing I'm proud of is throughout all the years, and, and, and again, with different, you know, assistants heading up different parts of the recruit target guys that, that we feel really strongly about would fit really well with the Gonzaga culture. They're good people off the floor. They're, they're serious about their academics. They're great teammates, uh, but they're, you know, obviously really, really talented and can keep us at the level that, uh, you know, we want to stay at, which is, you know, put us in position to play for a final four and win a national championship. So um, I think what's happened is, uh, you know, it's because of our success and popularity, uh, you know, we became a more viable option for many, many more players out there. And then it's our job to kind of, to siphon through all that and, and continue to figure out which ones are, are you know, the best fit for GU. Well, 20 plus years as a head coach, near around 30 in, in the college game where you have to evaluate, you have to recruit, um, then you have to get players to commit. Is there one player or two that was most frustrating for you during your career that you thought was going to become a zag? and would have been perfect in Gonzaga's system, but ultimately chose to go somewhere else? Oh, gosh, there's been a ton of those. Uh, just a ton. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's much like the, the losses, you know, but we don't lose very much up here. But the, when we do, the, you know, you have a tenden, tendency to remember those for whatever reason, which is kind of sad compared to all the wins. Uh, but sure, I mean, I going back to I think we asked my must have been my first year as a head coach. I mean, uh, 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 absolutely loved Luke Ridnour. Thought he'd be a great fit here, uh, and just loved everything that he was uh, all about. And, and uh, you know, when he chose to go elsewhere, that was that was tough. And then he took his buddy Luke Jackson uh, with him. It was from my uh, my little tiny town down in. Uh, uh, Oregon. So, uh, uh, I mean, that started it. And then, there, yeah, heck, there's been tons, even, even, even recently, there's been some that we thought we had a pretty good shot at that didn't happen, but that, that you know, that that's recruiting. And then the interesting thing is, uh, with that, you learn and, and continue to learn that usually the, the, the person you end up with ends up being the right fit. It's always just worked out really, really well for us. You know, if you think about, you know, we ended up with that backcourt with you and Blake Stepp, which arguably is one of the best backcourts, if not the best backcourt we've ever had, you know. So, uh, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. It's not always uh, what we want. So, uh, um, uh, but, yep, you know, when you're, you're in this battle every year with 10, 15, 20 kids a year. And, and now if you look at the options of the teams we're competing against in recruiting, you know, these, these kids have some, some really, really, really good options. So in a lot of cases, they really can't go wrong. So it's, it's hard to fault them.
That's it for the best of the ISO stories from the Gonzaga basketball sidelines. We'll continue this series on Friday with the best of skill development from Jay Billis to Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Kuzma's trainer, Clint Parks, to the professor from the And One Mixtape Tour, Grayson Boucher. So thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We will be back Friday. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.